In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Adam Duvall, you're off the hook because it's Jocktober in Atlanta. It was pretty special. Come up big in a moment like that was pretty cool. The sample size is big enough now, right? That that's just who he is. The Braves went almost 20 years between trips to the National League Championship Series. Now they are one win away from back-to-back appearances. It's episode four of the AJC Braves Report podcast after Atlanta's 3-0 win over Milwaukee in Game 3 of the NLDS. I'm Jay Black, the new podcast manager to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. If you're wondering why things sound a little different, we are all in the same room, and the room is high atop Truist Park after Game 3. I'm joined by AJC Braves beat reporter Gabe Burns and our columnist Michael Cunningham. And men, this series is certainly sticking to a script, and that script is uh, very few people can hit except for one really big hit. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's kind of, again, like we said after the first two games, it's kind of unfolded the way that we expected. Uh, Hits are hard to come by, especially with runners in scoring position. These teams are now two for 33, but the Braves have the two hits. So um, credit to both teams pitching, but the Braves pitching has been a little bit better, and and that's been the difference, and that's why they're a game away from advancing. Gabe was telling me all day that the Brewers can't really hit. (laughs) (laughs) I I saw it for myself. I mean, they kept coming up in a situation, and they just can't do anything. It's just – I kind of felt sorry for Craig Council after the game. He was just kind of like, well, just kind of keep showing up and doing it, and hopefully it'll happen. I don't – he didn't really seem to, to believe it. I don't believe it either. Before we dig into all that, I do want to remind you that your subscriptions fund our journalism and this podcast, so we thank you for that. And if you're not a subscriber, join us. Go to AJC.com slash BattleATL and sign up today. You can keep up with the Braves during the postseason and get a Hank Aaron tribute book. Unlimited digital access to AJC.com and the e-paper starts at just a dollar a week, so get the special offer now at AJC.com slash BattleATL. All right, so let's lead off with the clear highlight of this game. That is Jock Peterson again, a three-run homer in the fifth on a pitch that was kind of up and in and by no means a meatball. Yeah, I just, I'm a pretty good player, so I don't know. <laughs> just knocked it out the yard. That is his 11th career postseason homer and third straight pitch hit this year. I don't know. I just feel like I do the same that I do during the year, but uh, I don't know. I don't. There's no secret recipe. I wish there was. Gabe Jock's current OPS in this series is 4,000. I know there's a portion of the baseball world that will argue there's no such thing as clutch, but but what's what's going on with this guy? Why does he always seem to deliver in the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, his numbers are way better in the playoffs. He's, he's played in 67 uh, postseason games now, so you can't really talk about small sample sizes. I mean, we see it in every sport. Some guys are just, you know, they just really deliver on the big stage. I mean, it's not necessarily a – any one thing, just some guys just have those traits. Some guys step up when they need to. And, and look, Jock, he spent seven years with the Dodgers. Obviously, the Dodgers are World Series or bust every single year. He's used to being in that environment. And you're seeing that this is, I mean, again, he's three for three with two homers in this series as a pinch hitter, and he's making a really big difference for this team, obviously. <laughs> They've only scored seven runs the whole series, and he's knocked in four of them. One of our goals with this podcast during the postseason is to bring you as much sound from the postgame press conferences as possible. So you, you get it straight from the team, you get it straight from the players, you get it straight from the manager. 
And there were a lot of questions after this game about why Peterson has been such an instant clubhouse hit. I don't know if I have a media answer for that. Uh, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just me, but uh, I don't know. Next question. He's a guy that, that attracts people. I mean, his persona and, and you know, I've really enjoyed getting to know him. I mean, he's something else. Um, I mean, in a good way. The biggest compliment I've ever been able to give him really is just he's the same no matter the situation. Jock Peterson is Jock Peterson, uh, and it's, it's such a joy. Brian Snicker and Dansby Swanson there as well. And, Michael, I, I know we don't get to know the players as much as we used to right now because of COVID, but we can still talk to them after the game. Does Jock's personality kind of remind you of anyone you've covered in the past? I thought Dansby's uh, comment about him reminding him of Josh Donaldson was was pretty good. Um, I liked Josh immediately when he, when he joined this team. Um, I think some of the players weren't quite sure about him because he kind of had like this cocky persona, but I, I like that, you know, and he kind of – kind of walked around and um eventually he became one of the clubhouse favorites and kind of a you know the guy who who kept their spirit up so kind of you know jock dansby saying that saying a lot about jock saying that he's kind of that same kind of guy that, that keeps spirits up and i think you need that you know i'm kind of a a numbers guy and you know the three true outcome kind of guy <laughs> i am i try not to get too much into it but there is something to do to, to chemistry you can't just because you can't measure it doesn't mean it's not important and i think it's important to have a guy around who's loose like that because, man, these especially these games like this, they've been tight. And here comes Jock with his pearls and his swagger, and he's hitting a homer, and it's fun. All right, about the pearls, and we do have a little more reporting now on that story. I take them off, yeah, when I sleep, and I uh, got them through uh, my jeweler, and, yes, they're real pearls. Um, yeah. Sick. As shocking as it was, it wasn't shocking. Um, yeah, that's a good way to put yeah, it. Yeah, uh, like I said, jock is jock. Just saw the pearls and I was like, you know what, that looks cool. And I've, you know, done the black chain and the gold chain and all those different ones. And uh, I think a lot of other players have, but uh, I don't know, it kind of caught my eye. And I was like, you know what, those look good. And texted uh, the jeweler about it and got some out. And, uh, yeah, they kind of went crazy. All right, Gabe, so we finally closed uh, that loop, and I think we both saw way too many grown men and, and kids wearing pearls at this ballpark at this game. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a hit. It's just like, you know, uh, Michael just mentioned Donaldson, and, you know, the umbrellas were a thing for a minute there with him, and, and now we have the pearls with Jock, so it's certainly it's easy to see how fans can kind of rally behind a guy like that. All right, now back to the baseball, and there is the discussion out there of the hottest hitter on the Braves hitting once a day. It is what it is. Uh, my role right now, that's my role, and uh, doing the best I can to succeed in it and help the team win. So uh, not really worried about the other stuff. That's all kind of outside noise. Michael, would you start him in game four? Yeah, I don't understand why he is. I don't know. Snickers' answer was kind of weird. Like, you know, I'm looking for any chance to get him up there on a right-hander. Well, that's all the Brewers have been throwing is right-handers, so you can get him in at the beginning. Um, I thought that Snickers was going to say something like, you know, He's better in this role. Uh, I like having that punch off the bench. But to say, I'm looking for a chance to get him in the right hander. I was glad a right hander came up. That doesn't make any sense to me. Just, just put him in the lineup then. Gabe, what do you think Snit's going to do? Yeah, I mean, he sounded open to maybe starting Jock tomorrow. So I, I guess we'll see. It didn't hurt that Peterson's homer came off Hauser in the fifth inning because the Brewers rolled the dice and got bit in the top half, pulling Freddie Peralta, who looked great. But desperate for an offense, Vogelbach bounces out to third and Wong lines out to Freeman to end the threat. Gabe, you had the Braves winning this series in four, but are you surprised at 
how bad Milwaukee's bats have been so far. Yeah, um, I exp- I knew that they were limited offensively. I knew that there would be stretches that they struggled to score runs. I did not think that they would be one swing away from not scoring any in three games. <laughs> yes. um, that is credit to the Braves pitching. Um, you know, Jock said today he thought that Charlie Morton's start was the best of the three, uh, which is funny because Charlie's the only one of the three who's given up any runs. Yep. Uh, we knew that the Brewers struggled with left-handed pitching. Uh, so Max Freed's dominance didn't really surprise me. Again, when I made that prediction, I thought the Braves would lose game one and win and went out from there. And so far, that's kind of what's happening. So we'll see about tomorrow. Um, tomorrow's a really – I mean, every playoff game is big, duh. But tomorrow's really big because you don't want to have to go back up to Milwaukee with Burns, Woodruff, Peralta, all those guys available for them. Because, I, I mean, that's going to that's gonna be a tough chore. So – Obviously, this is a golden opportunity for the Braves to just take care of this now. So it's it's two runs and twenty seven innings for Milwaukee, and what's their uh, batting average with runners in scoring position? Yeah, they're zero for sixteen with runners <laughs> in scoring position. Bingo. Yeah, they they've stranded a lot of guys. They stranded two on in each of the last three innings in Game Two. Today they had a situation. They had runners at second and third, none out. They couldn't even they couldn't get a run, and that's you know obviously Council decides to. Remove Peralta there. Which we were all talking about that, and, and we were all like, he's got no choice. Yeah, he had no choice. You have to go for runs there. I mean, the the game is scoreless. It, he's just trying to get anything offensively. I mean, Yelich hits into that, hits into a double play there too. I mean, just nothing is working for them. It's 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 clear. It's not just the Braves pitching. I mean, their bats are just cold right now. But I mean, it, the whole combination of things. It's really it's really made for a good scenario for the Braves. I thought it was interesting that Council said um, pull Peralta because he liked the matchups there for the, the seven and eight hitters for the Braves. But, I mean, you got to think about Peterson on the bench, right? I mean, yeah. unless he thought that uh, Snicker wasn't going to pull his guy, wasn't going to pull Anderson. But, of course, yeah. of course you do. Snicker was in the exact same position. You got two on, and you've got instant offense waiting for you on the bench. And it, and it, and it worked out great because Chavez, Matzik, Jackson, and a clean inning from Will Smith and – no real drama from the Braves bullpen except uh, one little bobble there from Jackson in the in the eighth, and that was it. Yeah, the Braves bullpen has been. You know, we keep talking about the starters, but the bullpen. I mean, they've they've had guys on, but they haven't given up a run either. So they've done a really nice job of obviously preventing any damage, but you know, just making the right pitch and getting out of those scenarios. So I mean, credit to those guys as well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. We got to. Credit the Braves pitchers. I mean, the Braves haven't been much better runners in scoring position. Two so for seventeen. Yeah, right. Yeah, something like that. So they've been winning these low scoring games just like they did last postseason in the first two rounds. And you gotta give them credit for that, especially um for, you know, when you're sending out some young pitchers out there with the exception of Morton, you I mean it's Cool to see. And we'll get to the youngest of that group here in just a second, but a reminder to follow your Braves in the playoffs in the AJC AE paper. Gabe and Michael will give you more than just the score on the Braves with their analysis and our expanded after-the-game pages in your e-paper. That is a bonus for subscribers, and we'll be here throughout the entire Braves postseason run. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution spotlights the team's quest for a world championship, and we'll bring you all the key moments, the strategies, the struggles, and the surprises, plus a preview of the next game. You will find it exclusively in the e-paper. The other star of this night is Ian Anderson. That's one of his six strikeouts in five shutout innings. He had it from the go. I mean, it it was really, really good. 
big stage, all the people, people asking me about that. Didn't face, if anything, it helped him. The changeup was good, and that's, that's the pitch I went to, you know, trying to get out of jams. And like I said, with these guys behind you, it's, you know, you have the confidence to throw it. Michael, this is Anderson's fifth career postseason start, which dates back to last year. <laughs> four of his five games now, he's given up zero runs. Does he look like he's like that guy, like the next postseason stud? Looks like it, right, man? I mean, last year was really incredible because he was barely out of AAA. I mean, nobody knew what to expect from this guy, and the Braves really needed him, and he did it. And so he's got a guy that the makeup that people talk about, right? Like, you look at him out there, and you're like, man, this guy this guy can pitch. He knows he can pitch. Uh, I thought it was very smart today to, to lean on the changeup. I know he said that um, Freed and Morton had good good luck with the uh, curveball and he was kind of tempted to do that but no let me let, let me stick with my best pitch and that, and that was that was a good approach from him I faced it the other day uh it was my first time ever seeing it um it, it's it's pretty freaking good that stands beyond Ian's change up and Gabe you've seen almost every pitcher the Braves have in person what are the best three individual pitches on this pitching staff yeah I mean that's tough to say there's some really good ones here Freed curveball. Uh, Freed yeah, curveball. certainly Freed's curveball. Certainly Luke Jackson's slider. Morton's uh, curveball. Morton's curveball. Ian's mm-hmm. changeup. When Ian's changeup is on, it really is remarkable. It is a remarkable pitch when he's got it going. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's some really good ones, but I would definitely say those four jump out. Last year was a little bit of a surprise what the pitching staff did in October, but but at least right now I can't say anybody's been surprised that, well, maybe not to this level of dominance, but that Morton, Freed, and Anderson have kept the Braves in these games. Yeah, it's it's no surprise at all. Um, but the fact that you know two of them pitched, two of them didn't allow a run, and Charlie only did it at, at the end there. I mean, I, they have just been so good, and you knew that they were going to be good. But I mean, this is really, if you're the Braves, this is truly all you could ask for from those guys. A couple of other notes before we get to Game Four, and none of these are are exactly positive. Well, this one's kind of funny. Uh, uh, first off, Chipper Jones booting a pop up <laughs> in the top of the first, sitting on the fifth row, right below where we're at, and. Uh, Adam Duvall's, um, whatever that was, tagging up and costing the Braves a run in the second inning. That wasn't a good play by Adam. I mean, it's, I talked to him about it, you know. I mean, he, he agrees, you know. It was probably just kind of a getting caught up in the moment and <clears throat> for a number of reasons. You know, I mean, he, he's, that's one of the guys that he he's, doesn't make mistakes. And he did right there, and he'd tell you if he came in here right now and sat down, he'd say, I screwed up. Gabe, it almost felt like the NLCS all over again. Yeah, uh, Michael and I were talking about how that might be the story of the game, and we were trying <laughs> to figure out you know, how that's going to go. But that was, it was certainly a gaffe by Adam. I wish Snicker would have uh, elaborated on those many reasons why Duvall did that because I don't, can't think of any good ones. But the weird thing about it was Duvall, I was telling Gabe, Duvall, we didn't get to talk to him after the game, but it looked like he didn't understand what was going on. He was walking off thinking that run counted, and then he was kind of stunned and discovered that it didn't. So even to the very after the play, he still didn't know what the hell was going on. So it, I, I, I don't get it. I mean, big. It's just, I mean, it's inexcusable for a big league player. Yeah, still had two hits though. Almost, he did. You know, had, had a, a triple. Had, had a triple. He knocked uh, sent Lorenzo Kane into the stanchion uh, over there. But uh, all, all is forgiven. 
Duvall's been a terrific player, just uh, one of those brain burps, and the Braves got away with it. Before we wrap this thing up, one reminder that uh, this is not the only podcast the sports department is pumping out. The latest edition of the Bowtie Chronicles dropped on Monday with D. Orlando Ledbetter in London on the Falcons' win over the Jets. And Doug Roberson covers Atlanta United like nobody else with Southern Fried Soccer, so take a listen to both wherever you get your podcast. If they let D. Led back in the country. If they let D. Well, he's got the, at least one podcast in. Now we'll see if we can get him back for the five week. <laughs> All right, now on to game four. You're only as good as next day's starter. Um, you're only as good as, as the preparation for the next day. So tomorrow we're going to come back, do the same thing, prepare like we always do, and, and go out and compete. All right, here's Snitton, Craig Council, the Brewers manager, on who's going to pitch. Later on this afternoon, we'll kind of narrow it down. We've talked to a few guys about some possible scenarios, and we'll narrow it down later on this evening. We're going to discuss it here, um, and we'll let you know. But, um, yeah, we, we just will – just look at it and map out the scenarios for tomorrow. But I, I, I think we're in decent shape. All right, well, Craig Council's optimistic. But so same question <laughs> to you both. Uh, we didn't really get a lot out of that. Uh, so who are you going to start? As we record this podcast, we do not know. So who do you think starts in game four? You Noah, right? Yeah, I mean, my, <clears throat> my initial thought is a Noah, but uh, Charlie Morton on short rest is an option. Maybe you go with an opener and you bring Charlie in in relief. They, they have a lot of options. They uh, Snitker did not rule out that Morton could go on short rest. What do the Brewers do? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a good question. Uh, they should try hitting. Yeah, that would certainly <laughs> well, help them regardless yes. of who's pitching. Uh, I think Eric Lauer, the lefty, uh, former Padre. He's. Uh, I think he would be a logical um, candidate. I know Ashby's been talked about, so we'll. We'll see for them, but they did rule out uh, Corbin Burns coming back for this one. So uh, he's he's waiting if game five happens, but that's not going to do him a lot of good if they lose tomorrow. Yeah, that was a pretty quick answer from Council. Like, no, no way, what? And Gabe, it seems like more more teams now are pretty much almost exclusively ruling out their ace on short rest in the division series. Is that is that just a wrong guess, or is there some statistics to back that up? Well, you know, Michael and I have talked a lot today about this kind of stuff, and one point that he had made this morning on our live stream was in, in the postseason, you, you have to play for today. You can't be thinking about the you know, game five or, or the next round or anything like that. So from Milwaukee's standpoint, they do have a lot of pitching depth, and they have a couple of guys. They, they have Lauer who can cover multiple innings. And so, I mean, and he, he had a good second half for him. So maybe that's the direction they decide to go. Um, I'm not sure. I, you know, obviously, I'm not familiar enough. I'm not there every day with the Brewers to know kind of where they're coming at this from. But uh, certainly, I, I again, they're going to have their main guys available if there's a game five. But it's not going to matter if if they can't score some runs tomorrow. Who, who do you like for the Braves if they if they need a long guy? I like a Noah. I think Drew Smiley is an option, despite his kind of un, obviously his underwhelming season. But he's been better out of the bullpen. They yeah. struggle against lefties. I definitely think if if the bullpen game is what they wind up doing tomorrow, which it, it will be at least to some extent, even if Charlie comes back on short rest, Noah could go I mean, six. <laughs> Noah could. I mean, yeah, if Noah's rolling, you're not going to take him out. But yeah. but certainly, I, I I would not be surprised if if we saw Smiley at some point. Tomorrow. He could go six against this lineup. <laughs> And that and that tag team option in September with Enoa and and Smiley kind of picking back piggybacking off each other wasn't a total disaster. You got a couple of decent innings out of Smiley in a, in a few appearances, and the some of the Brewers' best hitters are lefties. So, uh, but it it does feel like the the while they wouldn't rule out Borden, that's a nice luxury to have to hang on to him for Game Five. But you'd also have Freed 
on, on regular rest in game five as well. Yeah, if it, if it comes down to it, you have to start freed in game five, I think. Yeah. Well, we will deal with that tomorrow. We'll be back for you after every game here in the postseason. Who wins tomorrow, man? Braves win the Brewers. Gabe's right. The Brewers can't hit. I got the break. And G- Gabe's rolling with this prediction that he made in our very first AJC podcast. Four episodes ago, the Braves will win this thing in force. Men, thank you for joining me. We'll see you again after game four. All right. Thank you. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers. So we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluesteak, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.